Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I am Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of comic books that have come out this week. What's up, Pete? How you doing? Oh, lovely, man. You doing good? Yeah, yeah. You? Freshy fresh? You feeling freshy fresh? Yeah, man. I missed you guys. Oh, missed you too, buddy. How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, man. Two deep fried turkeys? Come on, baby. What's better than you that? You ate two day deep fried turkeys? No, not. Like some sort of Latter-day Dagwood? <laughs> I didn't eat them myself. But... Okay, sure sounds like you did. Well, we're going to dive into some leftovers on our stack, kicking it off with Batman number 84. Listen, Pete, I want to just lay something out. You've been very reticent to talk about Batman. I wanted to talk about every issue of Batman so far, and you've been like, I don't want to talk about it. That's the opposite of what's happening. No, thanks. That's the opposite of I don't even care. Like, every week, I send out a bunch of comics, and then you somehow delete it off of my computer. And that is <laughs> fucked up, Pete. That's how the internet works. That is how the internet works. You yeah. also came and burned all of my books yep. and stole my children and my beautiful wife. <laughs> oh, my God. You are ridiculous. <laughs> Let's talk about Batman 84. This is the second-to-last issue. I can't believe that this is the second-to-last issue. Tell you what. Believe it, buddy, because it is the second-to-last issue of Tom King's run on Batman before he leaves to go to. Batman and Catwoman, which is basically the same title. I know why name. you want to talk about this issue. I want to talk about this issue because I think it's important to talk about every issue of Batman, Pete. Nope, because Kite Man is in this issue. Is he? I actually didn't even notice. Are you serious? Yeah, was he in this issue? Yeah. What was he doing in this issue? He was dead on the ground. He was dead on the ground? Yeah. Hell no, man. Hell no. Yeah, no how thanks. did you miss that? I hate this book. <laughs> I bet you do. This is a terrible book. It's it's like this isn't even a Kite Man book, honestly. <laughs> what did you think about it, Pete? This book took a really far left turn from what I thought was happening. I mean, we were really moving forward to momentum, and Tom King is not afraid of a flashback or tangents. And this book was a real tangent and really showed us some fucked up shit I wasn't even aware of. Uh, we saw a lot of different Earths, a lot of different things that was going on. I think the Joker mom thing with the pearls freaked me out the most. You you read Flashpoint, right? Yeah, a while ago. 
Because we reviewed it on the show. Yeah. So that was the Flashpoint world. They right. had a whole mini series that we reviewed about I'm, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm very much aware. Yeah, so that, that pre-existed. Um, it I, just was extra creepy, I thought. I love the structure of this issue, which goes backwards in time and follows wha- how Thomas Wayne, uh, Bruce Wayne's character who plays Batman on TV. His dad. Yeah. Uh, his dad, how he ended up in this universe, exactly what happened to him, goes back through the whole history of the book and shows it from his perspective. Which is great because we want, I wanted to see why he was so fucked up. I got to tell you, as much as I love the structure of this book, it was beautifully drawn, I do not like this. And the reason I don't like this is, A, I think it's overly confusing. If you haven't read Flashpoint, you're like, what is this bad Joker lady doing here? What's going on? I don't remember, let alone 84 issues of this book, what happened several (laughs) miniseries ago and other things. Uh, And I also am not a huge fan of the fact that it's ending with Thomas Wayne as the ultimate villain. Like, I get why Tom King is doing it. Because Mm -hmm. Batman having to face his dad, what could be bigger than that? Right. But... We spent so much time building up Bane. He did such an amazing job with Bane. The arc, correct me if I'm wrong, is called City of Bane, not City of Wayne or anything Ooh. like that. Oh, I you see get it. You, I see what you did there. <clears throat> no, I can, can understand that. But uh, King is famous for this. Like he did the Riddler Joker War thing, and we saw none of that. No, City this of is Bane, a bad example. This City of Bane, we didn't get to see as much You're as that. You're getting a bad example there because the Riddler Joker War was the Riddler Joker War, and it took detours to show us other parts of the regular Joker War. It wasn't like, it's the Riddler Joker War. Just kidding. It's actually Clayface at the end. Neither was this, just kidding, because Thomas Wayne has been seeded and built throughout, but obviously a lot of this depends on what happens in the last issue and how this all falls out, as well as in Batman and Catwoman, because he is telling one big uber story here, but I feel like it has to come back around to Bane at some point, you know? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. That's all. Great book. It's I have a, some reservations. Yeah, I I wasn't exactly happy that we spent the whole issue on the uh, Thomas Wayne guy. That guy is such a B-list character that I just can't even deal. But, B, by B-list, you mean the Batman list, right? Right. And uh, I just feel like uh, this wasn't what I wanted in this issue, but I still got a lot of answers, so it's hard to be mad. And the whole thing has just been unbelievably epic and so mind-blowing that I'm excited to see how this folds up in one issue, there's a lot of things that have to happen. Right. I'll tell you what. I don't think it is going to fold up in one issue. I think it's going to continue into Batman and Catwoman, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, we will see what happens. I think we will, except, you know what? Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe we just won't review that one, Pete. Oh, you... That would be a Zalvin move. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Next, what to talk about from Marvel Comics, X-Men number three. Ooh, boy. We got some Golden Girls up in this shit. I This is my favorite issue of this really? whole new X-Men. I would love it if like a couple old ladies took out this whole bullshit new X-Men world. That would make, there would be nothing more enjoyable to me than if these old ladies took down this whole bullshit and we could reset it after this. So you want X-Men to start following horticulture the evil old ladies from X-Men number three. I want them to win okay. so we can get back to square one of the X-Men not living on a fucking 
island ignoring all of humanity. Interesting. I mean, you're wrong, but it's interesting. Well, thank you. Anytime. So in this issue, uh, there are these old ladies who discover how to disrupt Krakoa's gate, specifically the Krakoa gate going to the Savage Land, uh, and Cyclops takes a small team of Sebastian Shaw and Emma Frost and heads off to the Savage Land to figure out what's going on. They get uh, spoiler, their asses kicked by these old ladies yeah. uh, and realize they have a much bigger problem than they thought. Um, I would love, it's too bad Justin's not here to defend Cyclops because he couldn't take down old ladies. And so that to me is the definition of None a None of shit. them could take down old ladies. Yeah, it's, it shows me you're not good at your job. Well, it's like how uh, Silver Spoons could never take down the Golden Girls back in the day. <laughs> Same sort of thing. Wow. Nobody looked that up. Hot ref. <laughs> Hot, very topical ref, bro. Thank you very much. I've been watching a lot of TV, lad. Uh I, this is another great issue of this book in my mind. I love the character work that's going on here. I particularly loved all the stuff between Jean Grey and Emma Frost. Which oh, that was nice. It's fantastic because there's been this hint that they're sort of in some sort of thruple, right? Because you have Cyclops, uh, Emma Emma Frost? Why? Do, yeah. Yes, right? Yeah. Oh, I don't know why that suddenly blanked. Uh, but Emma Frost and Jean Grey have all been living on the moon and conjoined rooms together. So there's clearly something going on there. Uh, it is hard to tell in this issue whether they are friends, frenemies, or hate each other. You frenemies. Know? I think it's frenemies. But I love that back and forth. The back and forth was really great. It's fantastic. I do want a little bit more from Jean Grey at this point. I feel like that's a character we haven't gotten enough focus on in this new X-Men paradigm. And it's curious to me that she's wearing her old costume. Why is she doing that? What is her perspective on things? What exactly is going on here? Uh, but again, great. There's more threats that they're building up, more new threats. This book is keeps getting crazier just yeah. when i think like okay this is what's happening i can deal with this fine let's move forward they keep adding on more and more insanity yeah i agree it's not enough that the island is completely changing now there's these old ladies who are really into plants and like what yeah kind of feels like the mutants and x-men keep evolving Something like that? Weird. Maybe it's about evolving the franchise and letting it mutate and change as it goes. I don't know. I'm just throwing some stuff out there. That seems weird. Moving on to Dark Horse Comics, The Butcher of Paris, number one. Uh, this was an interesting book, Pete. <laughs> uh, it takes place during World War II. It's based on a real case. Yep. Uh, I'll spoil the ending of the book. It is about a guy called the Butcher of Paris who, during the occupation of the Nazis, would lure people to his house by telling them, I will help you get out of Paris, and then he would chop them up into pieces, specifically Jews. Uh, I was very iffy on this book until the end and part of that is that I didn't love how it treated the occupation, how it treated the Jewish characters. I think the end result, when we finally reveal, oh, this is a murder mystery that's been going on, is much more interesting to me as a story than a straightforward thing uh, about Nazis beating up Jews. And part of that is my particular perspective where... I grew up going to Hebrew high school. I went to Hebrew school. We talked about the Holocaust constantly. A lot of this stuff, I see it, and it feels like, yes, I've heard this story before. Right. So again, to be clear, that's from my perspective. I'm sure people who are not as familiar with the history might be more interested in this sort of thing. Um, but the take of a murderer going on in the midst of this 
is where it starts to get fascinating in my mind. Uh, to me, the back matter made this book. When you hear the author talk about like what a monster you would have to be to already go to where things are so ready, so insane and take advantage of these people who really need help, who are trying to get out of a place so they don't get murdered and murder them is just so fucked up. Uh, I... I'm kind of Nazied out at this point. Like it's there's so much. Oh, you've gotten your fill. <laughs> there was a point when you were like, "This is a good amount of Nazis," and you've passed that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I don't think there's a good amount of Nazis. That's a horrible saying. There should be no. It's a Nazis. classic saying. It's a it's an aphorism. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, thanks for using big words that I don't understand. Um, but good amount of Nazis, you get a plotzy. Bad oh. amount of Nazis. No thoughtsies. <laughs> I don't know. I ran out of steam there right at the end. Yeah, I I think this is a crazy that it's true, and um, yeah, it's really fucked up. Uh, it's an interesting book, so I'm glad it's being done. But I can understand your reservations. Um, but I really think that like I wish I'd read the back matter first. I could have maybe uh, enjoyed it a little bit more. Uh, yeah, it's, to my mind, I'd be curious to read a second issue, but it's not uh, totally successful as a first issue because it doesn't get to the idea until the end. The back matter is what makes it better. Um, so maybe wait until the second one on this one and we'll see what happens. Next up from Image Comics 20XDX, number one. This comes from Jonathan Luna and company who's done some of our favorite books here on The Stack and Associated Podcasts. What'd you think about this one, Pete? Um... Now, usually uh, Luna stuff is like so tripped out, it's almost not enjoyable for me. But I really love this book. Really? And I also really like the fact that it was like black and white and like... You love a good black and white oh, book. Oh, I love a good black and white. Add a black and white cookie. Yep. That's also true. If they started putting comics on the cookies, you'd be like, I'm in a heaven. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully if I go to heaven, that's what's going to be there waiting <laughs> Just for me. Just one black and white cookie with a comic on it? No, all I can eat oh. black and white cookies with You're going to get sick it. of that eventually. No way. You're going to get to a point where you're like, ooh, I'm feeling sick. And they'll be like, yeah, well, you were in fucking hell the entire <laughs> Time. Oh, you son of a bitch. We got twist. You. Um, but yeah, I thought this was a fantastic first issue. Really set up the world great. Got you right into it with what's going on. The expressions and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I have never been more on board with kind of like a, a Luna book than this one. I know wow. J.T. Sizzle. more on board. Yeah, J.T. Sizzle is usually our kind of like Luna expert, so... Um, I'll be interested to talk to him about what he thinks about this book. Uh, it's interesting to me that you'd be excited to talk to him. Uh, the idea of this book is it takes place in a world where it seems like everybody either has a dormant virus or the possibility of catching this deadly virus that 0.001% of the people actually survive from. But if you survive, you get powers. Uh, so it's a twist on mutant stuff. It's a twist on that sort of powered stuff. Would you, because Would you try to tempt fate and, and die so you could Maybe. I did think about that yeah. while I was reading the book, and the answer is no. Really? Just because it's such a low percentage. If it was like, Ooh, whoever gets the virus, like 99% of the people get powers, I'd be like, ah. No, I think I still wouldn't risk it. It's too risky. Wow, yeah. At 99%. Plus, you got a family. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> they need me. Yeah. You know what? I tested on a couple of them first. Oh, yeah, you were the <laughs> worst. Seems like there's a genetic you were something. the worst, man. I don't know. Can't risk myself. I got to be the breadwinner <laughs> oh of the family. Uh, yeah, the 
they treat it very well. It does feel like a very different future world. It's a different take on powers. Uh, as usual with Luda books, I expect it to go into some wild directions. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Uh, but very cool start. Yeah. Another Marvel comic book, Thor the Worthy, number one. This is a collection of short stories going back through time through Thor, continuing the 80th anniversary celebration of Marvel Comics. Here we get a tale of Beta Ray Bill and Sif. We get Jane Foster, Thor, and Sif again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, who is not with Sif? Eric Masterson, a.k.a. Thunderstrike, not with Sif. This is also some classic art teams, including yeah. Walt Simonson uh, on the book. What do you think about this one, This Pete? is just old school goodness. To me, the Jane Foster uh, Sif story really made this comic worth it. Um, That's uh, by Catherine Amonin, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just really, uh, yeah, I thought it was really great, a f- cool idea. Um, there were a lot of fun kind of layers to it. I, I, yeah, I thought it was uh, really kind of interesting. Also, the first story was kind of crazy the way it kind of tied back in at the end. Yeah, this I I really enjoy this book. Some of the Marvel 80s stuff doesn't quite work for me. Some of it hits me at exactly the right time. And reading like Beta Ray Bill, Walt Simonson, that definitely brought me back. Thunderstrike yeah. is like, oh, man, yeah, that, wow. that goes way back in the day. That's... I love those weird pockets of the Marvel Universe that sometimes get referred to, people have affection for, uh, and I think that's very enjoyable. But I agree, the Catherine Bowden story was the best one to me. That's also a good way to describe you, a weird pocket. Thank you very much. I do like a good weird pocket. Yeah. Pizza pockets, hot pockets, <laughs> breakfast pockets, whatever you want, any kind of pockets, peekaboo pockets, anything oh, like that. Oh, boy. Let's move on to an indie book, Invasion from Planet Wrestletopia, number one. Here's the concept of the book. It kind of gets introduced about halfway through the book, though you can guess where it's going. Follows a bunch of wrestlers, one wrestler on an indie sort of circuit, not like WWE style, but more small game, declares himself the Biggest wrestler in the entire universe. Bold. And of course, as you can guess with the title, people from planet WrestleTopia hear him and are like, oh, hell no. Yeah, they're like, oh, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I love this setup. I thought it was super fun. I'm not a big wrestling guy, uh, but I really enjoyed the character work in here, and particularly where it ends up at the end of the issue, I thought was a blast. How'd you feel, Pete? Yeah, I think the art is fun. The, the, the kind of wrestling lingo is a lot of fun. It's a cool setup, and uh, they do a good job of like really kind of letting you know what's happening, and it's easy to follow. I, I think this is a solid first issue. Yeah. Moving on to a collection from DC Comics, New Year's Evil number one. This is another one of their holiday specials. This one focusing, of course, as you can tell by the title, on Thanksgiving. It really explores Thanksgiving and <laughs> all. And St. Patrick's Day, weirdly. It all No, it's about New Year's Eve. So it's a bunch of stories from the villain's perspective, all about New Year's Eve. What do you think about this one, Pete? Uh, this had some great stuff. Harley Quinn uh, had some real fun stuff in this. It's just a collection of different stories. I, I enjoyed it. Sometimes it's a crapshoot and you don't like it, but I think they did a good job of picking some solid stuff in this book. Was there a story in particular that jumped out at you that you liked more than the others? Um, I don't know. I kind of the first one was uh, <laughs> pretty solid, but also the Harley Quinn one at the end was pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Did you flip through it, Pete? Did you read all of them? Yeah, I did. All right. Okay. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I like this as well. Uh, I oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the last story by Vidya Ayala. 
uh, was very good. And the story right before that, God damn it, I meant to be, make notes for myself, but the last two stories in particular were good. Uh, the rest of them I thought were all right. Uh, was the second to last one the Sinestro story? Yeah. Because that was particularly good. I think that was my favorite one in the entire book. Uh, that was great. Yeah, and that was kind of cool because it was like, I'm evil but not, and I well, liked it. Which is classic Sinestro. Basically, yeah. there's a world that he visited once that worships him as a god, and he ends up heading back there and messing things up a little bit, as usual. Uh, I love these one-shots. I love that they do them. I don't know how many people buy them or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but I think it's a great chance to try out a bunch of different authors and artists and everything. Um, I enjoy it. Moving on to another Dark Horse book, Crone number two. We reviewed and really liked the first issue of this. This is basically about what if Red Sonia got old and then had to go on one last adventure. Uh, We find out a little bit more about what happened to her back in the day in this issue. I don't know. No, Pete. Just (laughs) know I'm shutting it down. Uh, We found out more about where she was back in the day as well as whether or not she gets suckered back into going on the road to adventure. Spoiler, of course she does. Yeah. Uh, I thought this issue, again, was very good, and I liked it quite a bit. How'd you feel, Pete? feel the same. We got to see like what her love interest was and how what she tried to do for love and um, why she's got to come back. And, oh, uh, what a fantastic ending to this book, too. Um, yeah, I... I really, really liked. They even got into explaining like why she's just fighting in a bikini, which is kind of ridiculous. But all right, it's comics, so yeah. I I, I thought this was uh, a really after such a great first issue, a second really, really solid issue. Yeah, I agree. Uh, moving on to, I think this is another Dark Horse book, Killing Whitey Donovan, number one. Uh, this is uh, fun. What do you think, Pete? Yeah. Uh, you know, it takes place in old-timey racist uh, times. So, yeah, like, very different from current-timey racist times. Yeah, very different from current racist times. Yes. This is more... Now, uh, curious, did you feel like this was just enough racism, or was it too much racism? Did it go past your... No, I thought this threshold? was, uh, you know, a perfect amount of racism. Oh, yeah. so you love the amount of racism. No, I just feel like it I was mean, I correct. I can play it back. Listen, when you put things on tape, they're there forever, Pete. <laughs> they are. They yeah. are. And That's we record true. this on an audio tape. Yep. Um, so, And then we mail it to people individually. That's how people get these I podcasts. I know how podcasts work. Okay, all right. You all don't right. need to tell me. I, okay. My fingers are torn up from the envelopes that I've sealed all right, well. with my bare hands. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I thought this was a very uh, interesting book. Uh, took a lot of great kind of like uh, uh, swings at what it's doing, how it's moving forward. The cover was very off-putting. Um, oh, really? I love the cover. I thought it was great. Okay. I mean, I was a little nervous about a white lady shooting a black lady on the cover, but I feel like we get... Did you think that you'd open up the book and they'd be like, yeah, we did it? (laughs) Or what were you worried about? I was worried that it was going to be a super racist book. Yeah. Huh. Usually Dark Horse books are super racist. No, don't say something crazy like that. (laughs) What did you think was going to happen? I don't know, man. But I was like, Jesus, look at this cover. Oh, geez. This cover... That is making me interested in picking up this comic book. I don't know. Fuck you. I don't know, man. Fuck you. I don't know how the comic book is. But I think this does a great job as a first issue of setting up this horrible world and then getting 
you caught up to speed with what's going on and, and what, what's going to happen with the characters. I can't wait to read more. All I can say is I wish there was some sort of aphorism about books and covers and something like that, but I, I don't know. I'll think about it later. Uh, what Hoppies on a book, Hoppies on the cover, I always say. Last one we're going to talk about. Dude, sometimes covers do spoil what's going on in the book, and sometimes oh, they're you're very... Oh, about spoilers, not racism? <laughs> My God. Pete? No, I'm just saying that, like, yeah, the don't judge a book by its cover, but there's a lot of times in comic books that, like, the last page reveal is the cover. Right. And I was like, well, Still I hope... Still don't judge it. Oh, my fucking Never God. judge a book by the cover. <laughs> oh, my God. Ever. I really hate you. That's the law of our land. Uh, last one to talk about Justice League number 37 from DC Comics. Boy, howdy. This big story is just continuing as the Legion of Doom and Justice League are going head to head for the fate of every single multiverse in existence. This is not the big one somehow, <laughs> but we still get two insane, enormous splash pages of every hero of the DC universe, basically going up every against villain in the DC universe. Uh, I don't know how this is going to get bigger at this point, but it's bonkers. This book is really insane. It makes a lot of great choices, a lot of fun stuff. Uh, it's very intense. I was super nervous about how it was going to unfold, but also run an interesting choice of like, the heroes like holding hands around around a table and talking about faith, like yeah. that was crazy. Yeah, it it is kind of skirting religion in an interesting way. Yeah, um, I am curious to see how they wrap it up. And but it was oh sorry no no go ahead Pete. I was going to say it's also interesting that came around around Thanksgiving time where mm -hmm. people are usually holding hands around a table. Really, is that something people do? Yeah. Oh, I don't know when they say grace. I. Raised in a Jewish household, I mentioned that when we were uh, I'm reviewing The Butcher of Paris. Okay. We don't say grace. Okay. Though I did say grace this year at Thanksgiving, or I didn't say it. Somebody else said it, and I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. Wow. What is this? Yeah. So that's my review of Justice League. <laughs> oh, man. Pete. No, I, I love this book. I think it's fantastic. It's packed with insane ideas from the front cover to the back cover, though I would never judge it by either one of those. Uh, uh, I would like to say uh, the, yes, Pete. the Batman star, uh, you know, star, Jaro, Starro, uh, was really fun. Like this, we're gonna get dumb. Like that was just really. Oh, great. it's great. Jaro yeah. is a fantastic, hilariously written character. He's written very differently from a lot of like little version characters. Like yeah. you get, say, I don't know, a baby Yoda type thing. Don't. I, I'm just saying. Don't it's bring different up baby characters. Yoda, dude. It's different characters, man. Um, That's all. I'm very... Also, fuck Baby Yoda. Yo, don't you... I will slap you. I hope you. he dies. Oh, my God. Don't <laughs> say I hope that. the Mandalorian eats him. <laughs> like Last a frog? episode, man, like frog. He's like, this is for the frog. Oh, that's messed up, I was man. friends with that frog. I told you not to eat it. This is Dude, why. Oh, oh, oh. Poor Baby Yoda got shamed for eating frogs. You know what I mean? Like the, those little kids were like, don't eat the frog. And he had yeah. to spit it out. It's all right. He had some soup. He's fine. <laughs> 
Oh, man. And that's our review of Baby Yoda. <laughs> if you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We'll scream at you about random stuff until you leave. Cool. Uh, what do you want to plug, Pete? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Also, Comic Book Club Live for the show at many more. You can subscribe at Comment on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice, and we'll see you at the comic book shop. <laughs>